Ah, good. Okay. Very good. Judgmental. Uh, Christians are perceived as being judgmental. Uh, there's lots of studies uh, that have shown this. A study done earlier this year in Australia studied over 1,000 people, and it found that 63% of Aussies feel that Christians judge others. So assume we've got lots of Christians here tonight. That means two-thirds of you here tonight are going to be seen by other people as having this negative slur on Christianity because you're judging others. It's also found that the biggest blocker um, to Aussies engaging with Christianity uh, is the church's stance on homosexuality. 31% said this, pretty much saying that we're judgmental with our views of sexuality. Also, two-thirds of Australians feel that Christians are hypocrites. In fact, 20% or one in five Aussies will label Christians as judgmental. And those were Aussies that knew Christians too. And so in light of uh, this current climate, you know, of plebiscites, of of the community's bold stance on same-sex marriage and lots of other hot topics like euthanasia, I'm sure you'll agree that the way we act and how we express ourselves um, is extremely important. Or maybe to put it another way, we need to judge how we judge. And so in our passage tonight, Jesus shows us how to judge by telling us what we should not do. Um, And there are two main do not commands in our passage. Uh, These are do not judge and do not waste. Um, So I'm going to explain a bit more about what Jesus means here and and then I hope to shed some light on maybe how we should interact uh, with others instead. Uh, So firstly, in verse 1, in verse 1, Jesus says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. Uh, Here Jesus is clearly commanding his people not to judge. Judging is an interesting word. It can have different meanings sometimes. And the Cambridge Dictionary says that there's three different ways of describing it, uh, describing how we judge. The first way is to form an opinion on something or someone uh, after thinking it through carefully. Uh, So this describes being discerning or using our our wisdom. Uh, Or secondly, uh, it can mean to officially decide uh, the winner of a competition. Uh, So maybe choosing who is supreme, choosing winners and losers. Or thirdly, thirdly, it could be used to express bad opinion on someone's behaviour. And so what does Jesus mean here when he says, do not judge? Which definition is he using? Well, I don't think he's talking about deciding the winner of a competition. I know he's not talking about cancelling all footy finals this year. Uh, Even if the Mighty Magpies won this weekend, they had a pretty dismal season. And you can still vote for your favourite Polly, even if you might get trumped. And no, I think he's not also talking about forming opinions or or thinking things through carefully either. Uh, We're clearly called to make wise decisions, both later in the Sermon on the Mount and in many other passages in the Bible too. Uh, So in my opinion, uh, Jesus is using that third definition of judgment that I gave. He's saying, do not be judgmental. I like how those survey respondents in my intro felt of Christians. He's saying, do not express bad opinions on other people. He's telling us not to personally attack others, not to pick on other people, not to jump on others' failures, not to criticise their faults. And I'm not saying that we should never speak up when something's wrong, and I don't mean we should be silent when bad things happen. But I think Jesus is telling us not to criticise based on our own personal judgement. Especially in doing so, Uh, We're doing it to seek our own glory first. Especially if doing that, we're putting ourselves higher than our brothers or sisters. Almost like we're trying to seek revenge or despise or or condemn them unmercifully. 
like we're trying to puff ourselves up and put ourselves almost in God's place to find our own satisfaction and fulfillment in this act of laying down judgment on others. And that's the danger, isn't it? I remember here Jesus is counteracting the Pharisees, is teaching his disciples how to rightly interact uh, with others instead in God's kingdom. And so he's also cautioning us too, isn't he? He's cautioning us not to be critical or judgmental. Uh, let me give you a few examples of uh, what this criticism might look like today. Maybe it's like when we watch you know, those different great TV programs um, and we comment on our, all those stupid people like in The Bachelor. Or if we read a political article and note how ignorant though their views are, or what if your child spills something and you get really upset about how completely incompetent that your child is? Now, hopefully you're getting the GCC. It's our natural tendency to have this uh, type of attitude, to think more of ourselves uh, than we should. And what's the reason that we should not judge? Well, in our passage, Jesus gives us two main reasons. Uh, the two reasons are how we measure and the problem of our problems. So firstly, uh, we should not judge... Uh, because, we me- because of how we measure and how we want to be measured. Look at verse 2. Uh, verse 2 says that, For the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Uh, Jesus says that we'll be judged the same way that we judge others. We'll be measured the same. And now some people interpret this like an eye for an eye, that people are going to treat us the same way as we treat them. But I think Jesus is really talking about what we do compared to how God treats us, how God measures us. And now this idea of measurements is used quite a lot in the Bible, and it's used in quite a lot of different ways, but one way to think about it is how we weigh things up. And now I'm not talking about the weight of stones or kilograms, uh, but the weight of justice and of mercy. Uh, the concept of justice is mentioned lots in the Bible. Interestingly, when I was looking at some of these passages up, I notice that justice is often balanced with mercy and compassion. Uh, For example, bringing justice to the poor and widowed. I mean, that's said lots of times in the Bible, isn't it? Uh, One verse that stood out uh, to me was Micah 6, uh, verse 8. Uh, Micah 6, 8. Some of you might know it. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Uh, To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Justice and mercy how we weigh other people. I've got some pictures of some scales here. And it shows how I weigh others compared to how I weigh myself. So you might take a guess, but if you're anything like me, uh, then this is how you weigh people up. Much heavier on other people and much lighter on myself. How do you measure others? Um, An example of this for me is around road rules. Uh, Like when I cast judgment on those cyclists taking shortcuts on the road. You know those cyclists, the one that usually is also isn't wearing a helmet, uh, doesn't indicate and doesn't give way, the one that you're cursing at when you're driving your car. And then the next day I'll be on my bike, I'll be cutting through traffic too, and I'll definitely feel much less disgusted of myself. And it's all about how we judge and measure this balance between justice and mercy. If we look at the screen again, we weigh others more than we weigh ourselves. And uh, if we think about the weight of justice and mercy on these scales, and this is what uh, we often do. Yeah, lots of justice, not much mercy. Like how I scorn at the cyclist when I'm driving my car. Uh, but when I'm the cyclist, and this is how I weigh myself instead. 
very merciful on my actions and a lot less justice-seeking. And so if you're anything like me, then you're weighing people unequally, unbalanced. Our tendency is to weigh others with justice and criticise and judge them unmercifully. And now Jesus isn't saying here that, uh, we should mes- that if we measure others poorly, uh, that God's also going to be unjust to us. He's not saying that uh, God's mercy depends on how merciful we are. And now Jesus is saying here that there needs to be the right balance between the justice and our mercy. And the balance is ultimately demonstrated where? Oh, well, it's Christ on the cross, isn't it? It's Christ dying for our sins, taking the full weight of our sins, bringing both the full weight of justice on himself and the full weight of mercy on us too. Romans 3.26 says that he did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and to be the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Uh, Don't get me wrong, I think there's a right place for constructive feedback and for useful advice, but but I know that I deserve God's full judgment, and this measure has been put on Christ on the cross cross instead. Uh, Jesus died on the cross to take the full weight of all of our sins, and so I'm undeserving of God's grace and his mercy and compassion. And so if we're judgmental of others, are full of justice and lacking mercy, then we're condemning ourselves before our God. But if we look at it from God's perspective, looking at the cross and seeing God's balancing act of justice and mercy, then we'll measure people in the right way, just as God has measured us, fully appreciating the weight of our sin that has been taken on Jesus instead. Uh, You can read with me from Romans 14. Uh, Romans 14 verses 10 to 12 says, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. You see, we measure just as poorly as each other when we're measured to God's standards. How does Jesus balance this justice and mercy? Well, with judgment, of course, but, but not judgment on us, but judgment on himself. And how should we measure others too? Well, in, in the same way that we would like to be measured. The same way that Jesus measures. So, so Jesus is emphasizing here that we should not be critical or judgmental. In view of the cross, we shouldn't jump on everyone's small little faults or pick on the little things that need fixing in each other. With that measure you use, it will be measured to you. We need to balance the need for justice that we often feel with with the mercy that God demonstrates to us. And now the second reason, second reason that we should not criticize is the problem of our own problems. It's a problem of not looking at our own problems first. I look at verses uh, three to five with me. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So I hate to break the news to you, but in some way or another we're all hypocrites, aren't we? We've all got lots of cake on our faces. 
And it's our fallen nature and it's our natural tendency of hypocrisy. And if you've been here for recent sermons in Matthew, you would have realized that we've heard a lot about hypocrisy on the Sermon on the Mount. It stemmed in chapter 5 where we're told that our righteousness must surpass that of the Pharisees. And then in chapter 6, the hypocrites in the synagogue are being called out. Uh, They were seeking reward from man and demonstrating to man how spiritually self-righteous they are instead of seeking uh, their God. Uh, The word hypocrite comes from the Greek word of an actor. It's about putting on a mask. Uh, It's about pretending to be something that we're not and not being who we truly are. You see, personally, the person with that plank in their eye uh, can't see it. He can only see the speck in others' eyes. I've got a picture here, I think. Okay, you might not be able to read the writing, but it says, dude, I think I got something in my eye. And the guy on the right saying, hey, don't worry, I'll help you get it out. So imagine this giant plank sticking out of your eye. Isn't it ironic? We get so focused on judging everything around us and criticizing others, we, we, we miss what's more important, don't we? That massive plank in our own eye. And so in the same way, this giant plank will also occlude our vision. And we can't truly see... Uh, things around us. How can we see the specks of others clearly? We're totally blinded, and we therefore we need to address uh, the big plank first. Isn't it? It's often easy to see others' faults and miss our own bigger issues. And it's often easier to look at others so that we can avoid looking at ourselves first. Uh, you know, I love to fix things. I like to uh, sometimes fix broken things, reuse and recycle things. It might be like a watch. It might be quite valuable or have lots of sentimental value and maybe just needs a new battery. Uh, But sometimes I also like to fix things uh, to avoid fixing other things. In fact, I'll find anything to fix to avoid fixing other things. Uh, I'll often fix a lot of the small, less important things before I fix the bigger issues, the more complex and complicated issues. Uh, For example, I might fix something up on Elvanto before I finish prepping my sermon. (laughs) Or um, or I might fix a a small unseen section in my back garden uh, before I fix my whole front yard, which needs this like whole turtle remake over again. Or I'll try and sometimes fix some of my kids' behavioural problems before I sort out my own problems first. And often those are probably causing some of my kids' problems in the first place. The problem is not fixing their problems, Uh, but it's that we need to fix ours first. And we usually like to fix other people's smaller problems so we can leave our own bigger problems for another day. It's a hypocrisy of procrastination. It's being lazy or maybe scared to truly address what needs the real fixing. In fact, the best way to avoid fixing something in your own life is to get busy fixing other people's problems instead. Uh, Maybe let's look at all the problems in our friend's church so we can close our eyes on the issues in our own church. Or or let's give lots of advice about all the different problems in the the different ministry teams here at Darabin uh, so we can avoid looking at at our own hearts and avoid sorting our own issues first. Uh, Don't be mistaken, uh, Jesus isn't saying here that we should never give useful advice or help fix the problems around us, but, but don't be deceived as well. As Jesus is clearly saying here that more often than not, we need to look at ourselves first. We need to look at our own lives first. We need to look at the issues in our own hearts. We need to address that first. 
you might think back over the past few weeks or months, what are the specs that you've been pointing out in others? Have you been really critical with someone where you could have maybe instead shown them love or, or mercy? Maybe it's a friend or a classmate or a colleague at work. Maybe it's someone that's um, hard, to, uh, hard to like, hard to, hard to live with. Or would they call you a statistic? Are you one of the two-thirds of judgmental Christians that 63% of Aussies have come across? And what's that plank in your eye that you need to deal with first? Do we need to watch out for self-pride, self-security, self-comfort? Or do we need to be leaning and learning, loving or living out Christ more in your life? Uh, Moving on to verse 6. Verse 6 says, Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. Jesus now here seems to contradict himself in saying that we actually should judge. And that might be a bit confusing in today's day and age uh, because dogs are now man's best friend. Yeah, it often looks like this, cute little puppy and a nice cute piglet. But I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about back in their day and age. Maybe it's a bit more like this, you see. Dogs were these wild, dirty, diseased animals. There were beasts that came begging for scraps. They were the filth of society, and similarly, pigs were the most detested abomination of all animals uh, to the Jews. And now Christ is calling us to judge and to be discerning, but what with? What are these sacred, and what are these treasured pearls? Well, I think these sacred pearls are these uh, spiritual riches in the kingdom of God of eternal value. I read with you Matthew 13, verses 44 to 46. Uh, Matthew 13, 44 to 46 says that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and, and then in his joy went out and sold all that he had and bought that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And now what's the problem with mindlessly throwing out these sacred treasures and pearls? Well, Jesus says, because they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces too. Uh, it reminds me about of these signs. We don't get them much in Australia, but saying, warning, do not feed the bears. Do you know why we don't feed the bears? Well, it happened just this last week. I think there was a wildlife reserve in, in China somewhere. And the man decided to wind down his window and feed the bears. And the bear ripped his window further down and it was getting mauled at by this bear. Just so happens, I think, last year in this same park, a lady decided to step out of of a car in the tiger enclosure and that didn't end too well, I think. But anyway, they were not only going to destroy... They're not only going to destroy you with contempt and what you give you with... What, they, what you give them with contempt, but then, then, then they're going to turn and violently annihilate you too. You see, Jesus is here saying that we need to be uh, using good judgment. Uh, we need to be careful how we handle God's truth and God's kingdom. Uh, we shouldn't throw them around indiscriminately because they're precious, and therefore we need to be wise with what we treasure. You see, these cherished, precious jewels of God need to be treated with thoughtful, careful consideration. 
Uh, maybe even with different church meetings, training events, and, and different planning sessions that we have at church. I mean, that's why we have things like Safe Church Training, our annual congregational meeting, even a board of management too. Right, Aaron? <laughs> so do not waste. Act with good judgment. Be discerning, unless we be devoured by those around us. We need to work hard and prepare well and be organized so we can look after the sacred pearls. But here it's really saying that we shouldn't be wasteful either. Uh, maybe an example in today's day and age might be if we went uh, and did a church camp in North Korea, waved around our DPC lanyards and tried to pl- proclaim the gospel to Kim Jong-un. Now what would North Korea do? I don't think it'd end too well. I mean, the gospel wouldn't grow. You'd probably be sentenced to life in prison, if not much worse. Uh, Read with me Matthew uh, chapter 10, verse 14. Uh, Matthew 10, 14 says that if if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, uh, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Uh, In that survey in my intro, they also found that 77% or more than three quarters of non-Christians in Australia uh, would not consider exploring Christianity. And 26%, or more than a quarter of Aussies, are really cold to Christianity. They either have issues with Christianity, strong reservations, or are passionately opposed to Christianity. Now, I think it doesn't mean that we should never try to reach out to these people, but I think there's also the right time and the right place uh, that after sharing the gospel, that maybe we do sometimes need to move on. For example, if you've been trying hard time and time again to share the gospel to to a friend or a loved family member. And maybe you just keep getting mocked and rejected and they're getting filled with contempt. Well, maybe it's time to shake the dust off your feet and to move on. I do not waste the sacred or precious pearls. Are you, know, you know, on those Aussie stats that I've been quoting, the top reason for, attracting, for attraction to religion was seeing people who lived out a genuine faith. And the top reason to repel people uh, was philosophical discussion and debating. So we need to be wise and discerning to know when to stop so that we do not waste uh, the precious pearls. So just to summarize the passage so far, uh, Jesus is firstly saying, do not be judgmental. Jesus spends five out of six verses saying this, do not criticize others because we don't measure uh, up any better when we're measured by God's standards. I measure the mercy of Christ on the cross against the justice that you feel. And and do not criticize others because we need to look at our own issues first. We need to fix that big plank in our own eye first. And then he spends only one verse out of six saying, do not waste. Make the most of those sacred pearls. You see, we shouldn't be judgmental of others, but on the other hand, we also shouldn't waste those precious jewels or pearls of God's eternal kingdom either. And we need this balance. We need to be balanced. We need to be wise and discerning in how we treat, share, and serve in God's kingdom. So Jesus is saying that we need to judge how we judge. So maybe the question is, are we judgmental of others? And have we judged ourselves first? Jesus commands us to consider how we treat others. But maybe the more important question is, why do we judge? Why do we judge? Why do we have this attitude? Why are we critical and obsessed 
with complaining or trying to fix everything around us. Now, what's the hard issue here? Is it because we're maybe proud or puffed up? Are we judging others for our own self-security or our own self-worth? Or to seek some sort of approval or comfort? Or are we trying to do some good honest deed, maybe like trying to earn our way to God? Or are you like me and sometimes judging because we don't want to deal with that big plank in our own eye first? I'd invite you to really think for yourself. Ask yourself why. Look into your life and consider the plank that might be inside first. You see, you see, this passage is titled Judging Our Judgment. Uh, but it's more broadly, really, how we treat other people. How should we treat others? Because Jesus is saying uh, that how we treat other people matters. Uh, should we appeal to our own pride, our arrogance, our self-made stature, or putting myself as first and others as less? Uh, but you see, you could read this passage and just hear those commands, do not judge and do not waste. But you'd probably still be getting it wrong. This isn't some kind of moralistic code. In the end, we need to realize how poorly we measure to God, but also how God mercifully measures us on Jesus instead. We need to look at Jesus' example of how he loved us. Despite this big plank that we're blinded to, despite us picking out other people's specks, despite the full weight of all of our sins, that this perfect God-man, Jesus Christ, died for us. The only perfect man to ever live. He had the full right to judge us. But Jesus on the cross, the perfect sacrifice, allowing us to measure right with God. So what's the weight of your justice? And have you balanced this with mercy? We need to check for that plank in our eye and remember how we measure, how, how badly we measure to God. A God who put the full weight of our judgments on Christ and mercy on us. So measure yourself and humble yourself before our holy and perfect God. Remember Micah, it says, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. The secret to a changed life is to have an exchange life. And only when we get this, that Jesus who exchanged his life for us, for our sins, and then in response, enabled by the Spirit, well then we must have a changed heart and treat each other with that same love. So how should we judge? Well, by remembering Jesus. And how should we treat others? Well, don't get caught up in judging how we judge. I don't want this to happen, because ultimately, we need to look at Jesus. We need to look at what he has done for us. You see, if he's fixed the weight, the full weight of our sin, and he's allowed us to re-measure up rightly again to God, well, then I think the only answer is that same thing. It's, it's the love for us. Love. It's Jesus-centered and outward-focused love. Our God's kingdom shouldn't be wasted. Well, we need to do that with love. Should we criticize or judge others? Well, I think that's the wrong question. The correct question maybe is, what's the loving response? What is your heart like as well? In the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, and the peacemaker as well. We need to fix our eyes on the cross, on that great love that was shown for all of us. And then and only then can we discern 
what is loving to encourage all people, all people to find their true and lasting satisfaction in knowing and serving Him. Amen. Let me pray for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are a great God who judges us justly and yet who's able to balance out the justice and the mercy. And so we thank you, God, for the cross. We thank you that Jesus is able to take the full weight of all of our punishments for us on himself. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would reach deep into our hearts and transform our lives from the inside out. We pray that you would change us for your glory. And Lord, we pray that you'd uh, help us to wait eagerly for your return. Uh, Lord, give us wisdom and discernment too. We pray that you would help us to be able to judge clearly how we judge and also to love dearly as you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.